chapter number 11 is where we are for today. Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. Beginning with verse number 25. We'll read through the end of the chapter, just a few verses. Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse number 25. Let us stand in honor and reverence to God's holy word. It says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We are now transitioning out of our series on committed. I want to take a few weeks to look at one of the marks of a fully devoted follower. Of Christ. We have said that here at the Bridge Church, we are striving for four specific marks to develop fully devoted followers of Christ in a multi ethnic context. You look at your bulletin at the bottom of the cover page, there are four words there that stand and help us remember what these four marks are. Let me remind you of what these four marks are. One fully devoted follower of Christ is one who loves God and loves others. None of this is original with us. This comes from the Lord Jesus Christ himself who gave us in the great commandment. When he was asked, what must he do to eternal, uh, what is the greatest of the commandments? He said it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourselves. To be a truly devoted follower of Christ, 
requires us first and foremost to love God, and those who love God will love their neighbor. That's the first mark that we are striving for here at the Bridge Church. The second one, is a fully devoted follower of Christ is one that learns of Christ or learns from Christ. That's what we're going to look at today. The other two, the third one, is one who lives by the Spirit. One who lives by the Spirit is not being led by the flesh. One who lives by the Spirit displays the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. To be a fully devoted follower of Christ is to be one who is walking with the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, whose, whose steps are being ordered according to the Spirit. But then finally, the fourth mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ is one who is leading others to follow Christ. We see this in the Great Commission. Jesus Christ tells his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, and he promised them, as long as you're doing this, I will be with you always until the end of the earth. This year, 2023, our emphasis and our focus as a church is going to be on that second mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ. We must be a church that learns of Christ. And this morning, I want us to see two simple things in this text that I've read for us this morning. The first thing that I want us to see is the invitation to discipleship. The invitation to discipleship. And our time together is actually going to focus on verses 28, 29, and 30. In verse 28, the Lord Jesus Christ himself issues this invitation, come. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of listeners that is a mixed crowd. In this crowd are both the committed and the uncommitted, the believing and the unbelieving, enemies and friends. And even though this is a mixed crowd, Jesus extends a universal invitation to all who are willing to follow him. This, friends, is a unique invitation. For us to fully grasp the uniqueness of this invitation, we have to go back to a Jewish understanding of discipleship. Hang with me for a moment. Jews prize the knowledge of God. Therefore, Jewish children at an early age, some say as early as the age of three, would begin the study of the Torah. 
that the education of Jewish children occurred in three stages. First, at the age of five, boys and girls entered the house of the book and learned how to read and write from the Torah. That was the first stage. In the second stage, they learned in the house of learning, which is where they studied the rest of the Old Testament. The first stage covered Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then in the second stage, they read the rest of the Old Testament. In the third stage, the brightest pupils graduated to what was called the house of study. So you had the house of the book, the house of learning, and then the the, the best and the brightest matriculated into the house of study. But before they could enter into this third level of studying, they had to pass a series of tests administered by the head rabbi. If the head rabbi thought they showed promise, then he would invite them to follow him until the age of 30, which is when the student could start their own ministry. Notice what is required to follow a rabbi. Successful matriculation through the first two stages of Jewish education. Then you have to make your intent known to the head rabbi in order to continue one study. Then you have to pass a test to follow the rabbi. This clearly, friends, was a merit-based system. They had to earn the right to follow the master teacher. But here in our text, Jesus turns this model on his head. Jesus doesn't wait for potential students to come to him. Rather, he seeks out his own students. Jesus doesn't seek out the best and the brightest. He seeks out the commoners, the uneducated, the unlearned, the outcasts. Jesus doesn't seek the seek out the qualified. Friends, the good news from heaven this morning is that the call to follow Jesus is not based on your merit. The call to follow Jesus was and remains a call of grace. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ is not sitting back waiting on me to come to my senses to follow him. But he says, I love you enough with your messed up self to come and get you. So no matter who you are, Jesus says, come on, baby. He says, come and follow me. Not because you're worthy, not because of your goodness, not because of your connections, not because of your network, not because you deserve it, but all because I've invited you to come. His invitation is still open to sinners to come and follow him. But, 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 but. But I must tell you, an RSVP is required for this invitation. Friends, and that RSVP is by faith. 
It requires trusting in Jesus, who is the Son of God, who paid your sin debt in full by dying on an old rugged cross, being buried and rising on the third day victoriously from the grave. And the good news is that if you believe, you will be forgiven of your sins. He says, come. But then watch this. Where are you coming to? Come to me. Notice here, Jesus doesn't say come to church. He says come to me. Jesus doesn't say come to the school of the rabbis. No, no, no. He says come to me. He doesn't say come to the school of the Pharisees. No, he says come to me. Jesus says I'm calling you to myself. Not religion, but a person. Why, why does Jesus extend an invitation to come to him? Look with me at verse 27. Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by the Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and to anyone to whom the Son reveals. Friends, Jesus clearly states that you should follow him rather than following anyone else. You should enroll in the school of Jesus because he is the most qualified instructor there is. He says, the father knows me and I know him. There is a mutual knowledge between the father and the son. He says, so I am the master teacher because I know the father uniquely. I know the Father comprehensively, exhaustively, precisely, and completely. Jesus, Jesus knows the Father like no one else. Jesus is in a class all by himself. Jesus, Jesus, friends, he after all is the image of the invisible God. Jesus alone is uniquely qualified to reveal the Father. His knowledge of the Father is unmatched and unrivaled. So he says, come to me because I have the knowledge that leads to eternal life. So Jesus invites those who want to know the Father. He says, come to me. I'm the expert on the Father. So that's, that's the call. But who specifically is Jesus calling? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. This word here, labor, means hard toil, painful toil, those who are exhausted. Heavy laden means those who carry a heavy load. The original hearers, friends, of this invitation were those who were exhausted from trying to comply to all the demands of the law. Here's what you have to understand. The law in and of itself was not the problem, but it was rather the interpretation of the law by the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees interpreted the law so that there were 365 prohibitions and 248 positive commandments that the Jews were to obey. I'll do the math for you. That means that there were 613 rules that they were to keep to be a faithful Jew. 
And these 613 rules had become too heavy to bear. And the Jews, his, his listeners, were exhausted from trying to be right with God by observing all these rules and regulations and rituals. They were weary and exhausted because they, they, they were kept trying, they kept trying to do better and to work harder, but felt no closer to God. Their spirituality was based on performance and earning. And Jesus knows that they are exhausted from this. And Jesus says to those who are exhausted and are carrying a heavy load, you can come to me. The truth of the matter is there are some of you, there may be someone in this room this morning or on this stream who you can identify with the hearers of Jesus' original invitation, you showed up this morning tired. Tired of trying to earn your salvation. Tired of trying to find satisfaction in worldly pleasures. You're tired of some addiction that you just can't break. You're tired of chasing after the American dream. Tired from stress. Tired from worry. Tired of trying to conform to the standards of this world. Tired of trying to please others. Tired of trying to seek the approval and acceptance of others, tired of living by rules, rituals, and regulations. Jesus says, if you are tired and weary and worn out, come to me, baby. And Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. That's what weary, tired, exhausted people need. They just need rest. Rest from the demands of the law. Rest from religion that requires you to do better and try harder. Jesus says two things about rest here. Let me give it to you for free. One, Jesus says the rest that he gives is first of all a guarantee. <laughs> it's a guarantee. Watch this. He says, I will give you rest. He, he doesn't say, I might give you rest. He says, I will. Friends, it is a guarantee. You can take this to the bank and cash it and never have to worry about it bouncing because it comes from the Lord himself. He says, I will give you rest. It's a guarantee. But not only is it a guarantee, it's also a gift. He says, I will give. You rest. You can't earn this gift. You can't work hard enough for this gift. He says, I'm going to give it to you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. That, that, that's the invitation to discipleship. The master teacher who knows the father exhaustively and completely says, come to me. But then we move, Jesus moved from the invitation to discipleship now to the obligation of discipleship. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The, the yoke was a wooden beam that joined animals together so that they would work together. 
The, the yoke signified submission to another's rule or authority. Jews were considered to be under the yoke of Moses because they learned from the Mosaic law. Yet this yoke had become too heavy to bear. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. What, what, what is this yoke that Jesus is calling us to bear? I think the next part, the next cause, tells us what it is. Take my yoke upon me, take, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me. The yoke is the teaching, the instruction of Christ. Here, clearly, friends, is the invitation or, uh, or the obligation of discipleship. Jesus says to yoke up with him is to learn from him. That word learn comes from the same root word that we get our word disciple. To be yoked up with Christ's church means to become his disciple, his follower. To be yoked up with Jesus and to learn from Jesus means to come under his rule and his authority. To yoke up with Jesus and, and to learn from Jesus means to become his student. To, to yoke up with Jesus and to learn from him is to become a lifelong learner of Jesus Christ. Friends, this is part of what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ and not be a learner of Christ. Jesus says, come and learn from me. He's also saying, come and learn of me. He says, learn from me, but he's also saying, learn of me. What, 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 what's the difference, pastor? I'm glad you asked. When I was in college, two things, at least two things were required. One, was a professor. The professor's role was to teach us whatever the content of the class was. We needed a professor. But then the professor was useless if he didn't have the content to actually teach us. So there was professor and there was content. There was the instructor and then there was the curriculum. Jesus said, now, oftentimes, the professor, he would teach us from somebody else's material. They would assign us books that somebody else wrote. They were not teaching their own material. They were just teaching somebody's material that they mostly agreed with. But somebody else had written the curriculum and the content. And so really you were learning from two individuals, from the professor and the author of whatever the curriculum was. Jesus says, when you come to me, you get both of those in one. I'm both the professor and the curriculum. Learn from me and learn of me. It says, learn from me, learn of me. 
Discipleship is to learn of Christ and to learn from Christ. When we become a disciple, friends, we don't enroll in a university. We enroll in a person. Jesus says, come and learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. The goal of all discipleship and following Christ, friends, is to learn so much about Christ that we become like him. That, that's what Jewish discipleship was all about. You en enrolled into the school of the rabbi, and the goal was for you to become like the rabbi so that you can raise up others who would be like that rabbi. And it's the same thing with discipleship following Jesus. Jesus wants us to learn from him, not so that we just accumulate a bunch of knowledge, because the scripture says knowledge puffs up. So, so it's not just about accumulating knowledge. The goal of all learning and knowledge is so that you will be transformed into the teacher. Friends, discipleship, when we, when we enroll in the school of discipleship of the Savior, of our master, we want to become just like him. So if we are really fully devoted followers of Christ, we take on his personality. We learn to live like he lived. We learn to talk like he talked. We learn to think like he thought. We learn to respond how he would have responded. We learn to love like he loved. We learn to give like he gave. We learn to serve like he served. That's the goal of all discipleship. So then what are some practical ways we can learn of Christ as this local body of believers here at the Bridge Church. Friends, there's no other way around it. We want to be learners of Christ, learners from Christ. The best way, the most effective way is through the word of God. John chapter 8 verse 31 says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth is liberating. God's truth is liberating. People think they're free because they live in their truth. And actually, that truth is enslaving. Truth, God's word sets you free to live according to his way, his will. And that is true freedom. Live according to the ways of God. To know Christ, church, is to know the word. To learn Christ is to become a student of the word. So how can I do that? One, you can do your own reading. Bible reading, there's a church-wide Bible reading plan that's happening right now. Jump in, right? You can join us. You can catch up with us, whatever it takes. Start reading the Word. That's the best way to learn Jesus. Not only is there Bible reading, but there are Bible studies. That's not all. You, you can't find. It's, it's so hard. It's hard not to find a church that don't have Bible studies. They're all around. Bible study, fellowship, everything. They, they, anything you can find. There's one thing we do well as a church is Bible studies. There are Bible studies that you can find. If, if you can either you can even learn scripture and theology from the uh, from seminaries for free. There are free online courses that I could that myself and Pastor Dominic can recommend to you. 
Another opportunity to learn Christ is by, by participating in a bridge group where there, these are sermon-based groups that meet once a week to challenge one another to apply the word in our lives. So if you want to get in a bridge group, a small group, where you can learn Christ, iron sharpens iron, and that happens in, in, uh, a lot in our groups. If you want to get in a group, you can dis, uh, express your intent to join a group through a bridge card. Even our youth are getting in and can get in on this idea of learning from Christ. They'll be going to a, re, a youth retreat soon called Focus. These are for middle school and high school students. There's a youth retreat that you can go to. There will be camps this summer that you can go to to learn Christ. We now have equipping classes led by our own associate pastor, Pastor Dominic, who, who by all reports is doing a splendid job of teaching us about heart. Thank you. Amen. God to God be the glory. And he, and let me tell you something. He ain't just teaching easy uh, uh, Sunday school stuff like where you can be like, what's the answer to this question? Everybody know it's Jesus, which is always a good answer, by the way. But he is challenging us to think about hard things through the lenses of Scripture, hard things like gender, sexuality, marriage, and singleness. He, he, he is doing this, and he's saying, we're not going to think about this according to the way of the world, but we're going to see what God has already revealed. So I encourage you to sacrifice and wake up early in the morning and get here by 845. Well, well, I know you're right. 845, be here. Join an equipping class. So there, there are several ways that you can learn of Christ. You just got to do it. We've set the table. It's up to you to eat, friends. But we also learn Christ by also being connected to his body. In other words, you need to attend and be involved in a local church. You're like, Pastor, didn't you already deal with this before? Yes, and I'm going to keep dealing with it. We, 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 we got to get this. We got to stop treating the church like it's so optional and like it's not that important. Jesus died for the church, y'all. So we, you need to attend and be involved in a local church. Let me make you something. Let me make something very clear. The local church, the, well, the church is God's plan A for making disciples. The church is God's plan A for making disciples. It is through the church that we are to be equipped for the work of ministry. It is through the church where we receive the preaching and teaching of the word. It is through the church that we are held accountable. For our discipleship, which, go back to last week's sermons, while we have things like church uh, discipline that prayerfully leads to restoration. Friends, this, this, this is so important. we got a whole scripture about this. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. For such is the habit. Of some. Don't make it a habit 
to not uh, to, to, to not assemble with the people of God. You need it. You may think you don't, but I'm telling you, you do. I counsel y'all. I know you do. You need this. Those are some practical ways. Let's, let's get out of here. Unlike other teachers, Jesus says you can take his yoke upon you and learn from him because he's a different kind of teacher. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. This, this got to me. My, my wife and I are watching a TV show. I ain't going to tell y'all which one because y'all like to judge us. <laughs> But we were, we were watching this show, and these people were in, it was actually in a uh, religious school, and this student, was, uh, this student was being asked a question. I can't remember what the question was, but uh, her teacher asked her the question, and she got the question wrong, and as soon as she said the wrong answer, the teacher took her ruling, tapped on the hand. She asked her again. She got it wrong again. Pow! Hit her again. She, she kept asking her. She kept getting it wrong. And finally, the teacher just stopped even waiting for her to answer the question. Just kept hitting her with that ruler on her hand. And you could see the, the, the scars and the blood coming out. She was a cruel teacher. And Jesus says, I am no cruel taskmaster. I'm gentle, and I'm lowly in heart. I, I, I'm not going to browbeat you, but just, just, just come. Come, come to me. Jesus says, I'm a different kind of teacher. I'm humble. I'm meek. I'm not proud and arrogant. I am not a cruel taskmaster. He says, I'm gentle and humble. And Jesus says, if you, when you come and commit to him, you will find rest. This is the definitive statement, friends. It is a promise to be claimed and believed. Jesus promises rest to the weary. What kind of rest does Jesus offer? First, he offers the rest of salvation. He says you don't have to keep working and working to try to find favor with God. Come, come to me. I've done all the work for you. He promises the rest of salvation because he says the work that you should have done, you were unfit and unqualified to do because that's how much of a sinner you were. But I took that work up on myself. I drank from the Father's cup of wrath, and I went to the cross. And there at the cross, I died for your sin. And it is that work that saves you. At the cross, I even told you that the work was done because I said, it is finished. And then after I said it was finished, I went to the grave. But the Lord, my father, rose, uh, raised me from the grave on the third day with all power in my hands. And then about 40, 50 days later, 40 days later, I went to heaven. I, I sent it back to heaven on the cloud. And guess what I did? I sat down. So he, he's, and you know why one sits down? Because they're done with the work. Jesus says, I've done the work. You can now rest and just believe. 
and receive the work that I've already done. Jesus says, I'll give you the rest of salvation, but I'll also give you rest during your sanctification. Sanctification, that's that lifelong process of where we becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Jesus says you can even have rest during your sanctification. Uh, you don't have to go back. You, you can always rely on the gospel. You don't have to go back and try to work and work and work and work to, 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 to find favor from God. No, you can have rest from a works-based sanctification. But he says, not only can you rest during your sanctification, but he says, Jesus, I think Jesus is also saying, I promise eternal rest. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 says, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Friends, this is a heavenly rest. And friends, I, we look forward to a day when we will rest from hurt. We look forward to a day where we will rest from pain and suffering. We look forward to a day where we will rest from sickness and death and disease. We look forward to a day where we rest from pandemics and terrorism. We look forward to a day where we will rest from all kinds of evil. That's why we persevere. That's why we refuse to give up and to give out even when trials and tribulations come because we know there remains a rest. And we know that if we suffer with him, we will reign with him. So, friends, Jesus says, when you come to me, you can rest. And Jesus says, you will find rest because his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. Friends, don't get it twisted. I'm not promising you an easy Christian life. Jesus himself told his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. You may have to suffer. And, and it, actually, Jesus calls us to suffering because he says, take up your cross and follow me. In order to understand what Jesus is saying, we have to revisit the imagery of the yoke. Remember, a yoke was a wooden beam that was placed on two animals to help them work together. Farmers, when they yoke two animals together, what they would do is they would take a strong animal like an oxen and yoke the strong one with the weak one. And they would put the trained oxen with the untrained oxen, the tamed one with the untamed one. And what would happen is that when the bulk of the burden and the load would, 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 would be carried by the strong oxen, uh, that, that was so that the weaker one could learn and not have to carry more than he was able to handle. Friends, Jesus is saying to you, he, I, his yoke is easy and his burden is light because he carries the bulk of the burden. Therefore, you can yoke up with him 
because Jesus says, I'll carry you and I'll train you to carry others. Friends, if the truth be told, that's why some of us are, that's the only reason some of us are here this morning and that's in some grave or just at home because Jesus carried us. He's been carrying our burdens from, from then to now. And that's good news for somebody here today. You've got some burdens that you've been carrying for a while. And friends, I know it seems unbearable, but Jesus says, yoke up with me and I'll carry the burden. That, that helps me to help you real quick because there's this saying in Christian circles. Jesus said, uh, we, we like to say that Jesus said, I won't put more on you than you can bear. Friends, that's only half the truth. Sometimes there may be more put on you than you can carry. There may be more put on you than you can bear. But I, and I don't know how people that don't have Jesus make it. I just know if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I don't know where I would be. The only reason I'm standing here today is because Jesus was carrying me. <laughs> the only reason you are here today is because Jesus has been carrying you. I'm out of here. May the Lord God bless you real good. And may he cause his face to shine. To shine upon you. I feel all right now. Church, I've been carrying some burdens. And I've been ready to give up and to give out. I've been carrying some burdens. And they seem very heavy. But this text reminded me, Brandon, you can hang on in there. Because Jesus will carry you through. Yes, he will. That's why I think the old church used to sing. Glory, glory, <laughs> hallelujah, since I lay my burden. And friends, I just want you to know, if you leave your burden at the cross, you'll be able to Jesus will carry your burdens because one Friday he took the burden of my sins, put them on the cross at Calvary. They put nails in his hands. They put nails in his feet. And on their Calvary, he died. Didn't he die? Stayed in the grave. All day Friday, stayed in the grave. All night Friday, stayed in the grave. All day Saturday, but that's not a half the story. Because three days later, 